Welcome to the Mindfuckery podcast, which is featured in Feedspot's Top 20 Emotional Abuse podcasts. I'm your host, Elizabeth. In here, we explore areas that others fear to tread. We talk about the mindfuck that was your life. We talk honestly about what happened because, beautiful soul, these honest conversations are key to creating the life you were born to live. I wrote my first book, Finding Lily, sat on a beach in Greece as my marriage was crumbling around me. And my second book, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse, followed as I discovered a new language, words and phrases. My third book, Divorce Matters, has been written to support you through this process and it's an important part you can get the closure you need heal the wounds and because your divorce matters are important as well getting all the information you've been told not to ask for and from here you can start to create the life you deserve to live i'm the founder of the divorce sanctuary and wound talking i've been a woundologist for over 20 years working with past life wounds clearing ancestral trauma and working with this life wounding and i'm on a mission to help educate as many people as I can on the effects of trauma on our lives and our children's lives and healing the wounds of our fathers. It stops here, it stops now and it stops with us. So welcome along to the journey of a lifetime. Hello and welcome to season two episode 13. This week I want to talk about the different places that we hold trauma. Have you ever been in a position where you think, oh my gosh, I've done all this, I've been through this, I've healed this, but for some reason it's all coming up again. On Saturday I posted a YouTube video about stress responses and whether we were living in a fight, flight, form, freeze stress response. We were actually living in that response and it was going over talking about the various different responses you've got fight and flight and those are the two that that we go to in an instant we're making an assessment of what's going on we find ourselves in a situation and we are born to survive so we've got all these inbuilt systems in place that will keep us alive we find ourselves in an experience and we're making a judgment call now we don't actually do that ourselves in a thought process but our senses are heightened we're looking around us and working out scanning our bodies do we have enough power can we see an escape route do we know how to get out of a situation have we got enough energy to get out of that or have we got enough energy to stay in that situation and fight and I referenced a talk that Gabal Mate did it was just the way he explained a child and an environment that isn't safe for a child and how they deal with it so what he was saying to an audience was if you were in a position that somebody very close to you is either being rude or you felt threatened by their behavior or there was something going on you didn't like their behavior what would you do and they went through the process of saying you know that they could get up and move they could challenge that person but they had options and if it still continued they could maybe move seats or they could actually leave the area and he said I want you to now think of a child a child in a an environment they're not able to do that they're not able to leave that family environment a place that should be safe for them that isn't safe for them they actually can't walk away they won't have the strength to fight an adult they might have the strength to run away maybe hide somewhere in a cupboard under a bed or something like that the other options they've got are freeze and fawn fawning is talking away 
out of a situation. A lot of people will reference fight, flight and freeze. But fawning is such an important response to inner stand. In this, these scenarios is where the empath is born. Because the empath is the child that is so acutely aware of the change in atmosphere, in temperature, in tone. They feel. When I was teaching Reiki, I'm a Reiki master teacher, um, I haven't taught for a while in groups. And when I were teaching, I think it was Reiki one, I used to split the group into two. And I used to send half of the group down to one end of the room. It's quite a long room. And, and the other half used to go to the other end of the room. The first group were facing the wall. They couldn't see. And this is all about feeling and the change in an atm in the atmosphere, seeing if they could pick up as somebody approaches them without seeing whether they could feel that. It was actually about protecting their energy because we then went on to use some techniques to protect our energy. And the other person that they were partnered with would work very slowly. It was very similar to what's the time, Mr. Wolf. It was just a more spiritual version, I suppose, of that. And they would walk very quietly and very slowly until that person could feel and then we would practice the techniques of protecting our energy and then do exactly the same thing again and see how far and every time when their energy was protected people get nearer to them and this is the empath this is what the empath does the empath walks into the room the empath knows what's going on the empath can feel the energy within that room whether it's a good energy or a bad energy whether it's about to be sucked out of them if they haven't protected their energy We've all got this ability, but they fine-tuned and honed these skills because they weren't brought up in a safe environment. My belief, that's what I believe. So going back to the YouTube video that I posted on Saturday, which was, have we lived in an unsafe environment and are we still living in a stress response? When I was doing a little bit of research prior to it, I do a lot of wound work. The wound work I do is the wounds that are held in the body. I do a lot of mind work, not talking therapy, but working with releasing and keeping people out of their heads because their heads have usually been programmed and reprogrammed and tricked. And there's little earworms that have been released. Over the last three or four years, I've done loads of research, not loads. I've done some research. I don't want to exaggerate. I've done some research on parasites, lots of different parasites. I call the emotional abuser a parasite, whether they're a narcissist, psychopath, sociopath, just very very high up on the narcissistic spectrum. They are parasites. That's what a parasite is. It's a non-entity. What is an emotional abuser? A non-entity. They don't know who they are. They experience their own trauma. They abandon themselves. So they have no identity. They've got lost and they literally bump around like they're blind and they can't feel, they can't see, they can't taste, they can't do anything. So they're like a, an entity. They're like a parasite. They need a host to live on. Off. and that's what they do they find someone like an all-forgiving empath I mean this is why people can't put the two together and say the narcissist and the empath they find someone who will put up with anything that's usually the child that has experienced some form of childhood trauma and is all willing to forgive can see the wounds of another person and wants to heal and I've got so many different theories around that because to me the child that 
that then goes on into these relationships is very possibly the child that couldn't save a parent. They were in a relationship where they were perhaps forced to be the parent in that relationship. They were put in a position where maybe they were led to believe that if they performed in a certain way, they would then get the attention. They might be the scapegoat. Everything was dumped on them. The sins of the family, they took the blame for everything. They might have just played that role of saviour, trying to save the parent. Because if they're higher up on that narcissistic scale, they are usually the victim in life. So you come out of that relationship on a subconscious level. This None of this is conscious. You see the wounds, you feel the wounds, particularly the empath will feel that wound. The abuser higher up on that scale knows, they know how to, how to lay them out and say, oh, look at me, I'm so helpless. I need help. I need saving. Please, please, someone help me. And this is something that the empath cannot resist. My belief is partly because they weren't able to save a parent or they've played that role. It's quite a natural role for them. They get caught up in these relationships that they cannot get out of, again, for lots of different reasons. It could be one of many. One of them, I believe, is that they hung on in a relationship, believing that they were going to get the attention, they were going to get the love, they were going to be seen and heard. Because to me, this is all a child wants is validation. They want to be seen and heard. It will be a wound that's driving the emotional abuser is. And at that point, in some point in their childhood where they decided to abandon, it's like finding an abandoned village. You know, everyone's run because there's nothing there. That's what they've done to themselves. They don't know who they are now. For whatever traumatic event happened in their life, they abandon themselves. Now, please don't think that I'm giving them a free pass because I am not. This isn't about having a get out of jail free card because if you turn around and say to someone, you're hurting me, that your behavior is hurting me, please don't talk to me like that. They know exactly what they're doing. They do know. They know how to manipulate. They know how to get attention. They know on some level what they're doing. So I'm just going to reel this back to what I was talking about before I go off on a tangent. The YouTube video was, were we living from a childhood response? Do we learn a response in childhood? And we're now living as an adult in that response. So as I was doing some research, I've I've spoken a lot about the hippocampus and how it shrinks and how it it gets traumatised and stunted. Some of the work that I do is about getting people out of their minds. The minds have been programmed by an abuser. Everything that I do is about being honest. You can, I've been to see counsellors and therapists and I know it takes a period of time. I remember one of mine saying, I really loved working with him because he used to call me out on stuff. That, and I was protecting, was in protective mode at the time. And one day he turned around and he said, well, that isn't actually what you've been telling me all along. This person you've been telling me is amazing. The behaviour that you're describing today is an amazing behaviour. We can have these honest conversations with ourselves. It might take us a lot longer to be able to um, have an honest conversation with someone else a third party you can sit down and be really honest with yourself it might take you a little while to do that 
but you can probably redo it a lot quicker than you can going into therapy with a counsellor and sit down and tell them exactly what was going on in a relationship. Apart from the fact you've been tricked to believe that there is something wrong with you. Everything that happened to you through the gaslighting, other techniques are like triangulation. This trauma, these, these wounds that you've been given have come through various different routes. So if you've ever thought, oh my gosh, I've done this so many times. Why am I back in this place with this situation? Thought I'd got over this. It might be because the wounds lodge in different parts of our body. So I've been working with and uncovering and removing wounds for over 21 years, probably longer than that. But one of the trainings that I did was particularly going in and using certain techniques to remove these wounds that lodge. And I use examples of words. I've spoken about this quite a few times, probably more on YouTube, where you might have heard something or somebody said something and that actually lands in the body like a physical wound as if somebody stabbed you. Words are so powerful and they have the ability to heal and they have the ability to hurt. I've got a blog post somewhere called Sticks and Stones and I have referenced, my grandmother used to have this saying and it was like, sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me and I knew that that was just rubbish. So if you've been in this position where you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've done this so many times, it could be that the trauma, the traumatic event, the words, the situation, the experience, because we take them on on all different levels, are lodged in different parts of your body. I remember experiencing somebody saying something to me, it felt like I was stabbed in the heart, somebody who I should have been protected by. I could only describe it as venom that came with the words and the attack. It felt like a physical attack on my body. And that is taken on a all levels. I always remember my kids used to watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch and in one of the programs they were looking for some information and this filing cabinet appeared and as the drawer opened it went on and on and on and on. It was just so long and that was how I started to look at the brain. So in an event it's searching for that file where we've experienced something before, we've heard something before, we've got this feeling somewhere before and it's referencing. So it's likely that if you have have experienced something before it might be lodged in your body and there are different parts of your brain this is why it's so important to stay out of your head so there are several parts of your brain that respond during trauma they include your forebrain which is the prefrontal cortex the limbic system which is located in the center of the brain and the brain stem so when we experience a traumatic event we've got adrenaline rushing in it comes through the body the memory is then imprinted into the amygdala which is part of the limbic system that then holds the emotional significance of that event including the intensity and any impulse of emotion it also stores visual images of the trauma as these are sensory fragments which is really a memory which means that the trauma is not stored as part of the story it's how our senses are experiencing this trauma at the time that it's happening the limbic system is among the oldest part of our brain in evolutionary terms so it's found in fish and amphibians and reptiles and mammals and when i was doing my research for the a to z of emotional abuse i discovered or researched that brought in oxytocin it was actually a two-faced hormone so although it was called the love hormone it also on the opposite side 
was holding on and intensifying a memory and an emotion. And so according to neuroscience, the brain actually stores traumatic memories in different locations in the thinking areas of our prefrontal cortex and in the emotional regions of the amygdala and the hippocampus. And this is why our trauma becomes then multidimensional. It's more destructive and it's more difficult to process. So it's held in the body, trapped, and in some instances, as a way of protection, it's like locked away in a box. So when I first came into the holistic side, the onion was referenced a lot, peeling back the layers, and you got through one layer and then something else would come up. And this is exactly the same with trauma. Being in a trauma response or a traumatic experience, particularly if this happened or some of this happened in childhood, is exhausting. I used to work with horses. I used to give Reiki to horses. And there were, I had three in the similar area quite a few years ago now. And I used to travel over and one of them used to nearly collapse on me because he was he was. A big huge cob and the other two were in the same stable and I went back after the first session one of them was like really flighty when I first started using the Reiki energies on his friend and then he started to get used to the energy the different energy that was coming through so I worked on both of them and I, I was being really respectful of how he was feeling I think he had a twisted stomach I think we had was one of the issues when I came for the second visit they were both in the field and one came straight up to me and the other one was a little bit more slow the owner of one of the horses said it's just amazing she said I've never ever seen them do this before when I came up the next day I think I saw them on the Sunday and um, she said when I pulled up on the Monday they were both on their sides and she said horses don't are so flighty they're on alert all the time they'll jump at a leaf uh, predatory animals and she said I've never ever seen them in such a relaxed state this is what we are if you we've experienced trauma particularly as a young child that maybe doesn't have or doesn't realize that they in an unsafe environment you know in my book the A to Z I say we're all a bunch of chemicals we really really are and I also say us being in this theta state for the first seven to eight years of life and I spoke about that quite a lot last week on how I got to that point and when I was I was actually I think it was 12 years ago yesterday that I was on my final day of my theta healing qualification we live in this theta state and intuitively I felt people saying oh we live in it for seven years we don't some of us live in it slightly longer if we've learned a way to stay safe we live in this hypnotic state it could be a lot longer than um, seven years for others who are emotionally healthy have been brought up in a, a really healthy environment emotionally and are safe they might have come out of that a lot earlier but for the first seven years seven to eight years of our of our lives we live in this theta state it's hypnotic we're taking on everything as the truth if we live in an unsafe environment i can't say that we will not see that as unsafe that is normal that is our normal and this is why people stay in relationships because that might be normal to them they might have experienced that form of abuse somebody says to you how did you not see that as abusive i mean there's so many different variations of that statement because 
very possibly you didn't know it was abusive because you grew up in an environment that was very similar that you where actually actually feels quite safe why do a lot of people want to get back into that relationship even though it was abusive and even though you know on some level it was abusive because it feels safe what doesn't feel safe is being out of it not knowing how to live because that person who's been told multiple times in multiple ways by multiple people that they cannot trust their own instincts that they cannot live on their own that they can't be trusted and these are the earworms and the people that are saying this are the parasites and the parasites want to keep their host they want something to live off they want something to feed off it's an energy source so when I started looking at parasites about two to three three years ago I think it was I was hearing all these of these different ones and I can't name them and I have still got a book that I need to read called What Parasites Do to Your Brain. I heard different stories. I heard some amazing stories about various different parasites. One of them lives in cats and its best host is a cat. So it knows to get into a cat its best chance is to get into a mouse so it finds a mouse and then waits and lays dormant until a cat attacks the mouse and it gets in that way there was another one lived in fish and so it used a bird i think it was and then as it came out I think I think this is right in the hope that the bird dropping would then land in the water the fish would eat it I think that's the right way around they're just so clever and if you start to compare the two the parasite and the emotional abuser you can really see how they might use other people this as I said trauma is multi-dimensional it gets stuck in various different places so there's partly stuck in your mind there'll be wounds that are stuck in your body like physical wounds but they are emotional wounds the ultimate host is a bit further along in the food chain and you are used like the bird and the mouse to get to the ultimate goal we are multi-dimensional we've got so many different elements and so many different faces and so many different parts of us another way of looking at this and seeing how multi-dimensional we are is if you listen to have you got a telephone voice or do you meet up with people that you've known for a very long time perhaps you went to school with them or you were teenagers together have you got a persona for work and a different one for home life may joined a club it might be that you've been part of say uh, a football team or netball team or some sort of team and you've been playing with them for years and you've got a different character that is us being multi-dimensional there are so many different edges we're multifaceted we are really diamonds and we have got so many different faces the person at work isn't going to see the person who's at home with his or her children or partner or other family members or friends and it might be that you know you you go on a team building exercise and you get to see a different side of a person it might be that you get invited out to an evening out and you you think oh my gosh I saw you in such a different light at work you're a different person we have so many different personalities we are multi-dimensional so it makes sense that our trauma is stored in 
different areas and it, it also is multi-dimensional healing from emotional abuse isn't linear and this like grief you go up and down one, one day you can't imagine life and how you're going to go on with the grief and then the next day you start to rise out of that and out of those emotions they're like waves you're right it's like riding waves and healing is the same but it makes sense that being held in different parts of the brain as to why as you're peeling back things it might be safer now for a memory to come up I was talking earlier on a live that I did and I was saying about a memory that popped up and it was of an ex-partner and something that he'd said to me and you know this was like 30 years ago all of a sudden it's popped up out of nowhere for me to go oh I can see now why and what that person was trying to do and to control a situation and by saying and making the comments and they're quite nasty comments now I can see that was to stop me asking questions asking for support looking for more help because if you can project onto somebody else and this again it's some of these techniques like the gaslighting triangulation is a huge one because it will also bring different emotions into play so think about that that is going to be part of that multi-dimension it's not just the trauma held in the brain it's the experience and this is the complex post-traumatic stress type um, situation where it's happening multiple times so you're in a triangle with a partner ex-partner and somebody else now that person could be real they could actually be made up and fake you're being made to feel an emotion it might be that you feel jealous it might be that you feel inadequate not good enough your self-esteem is starting to crumble because of the way that you are feeling about this scenario this person that's in this relationship with you a famous statement from princess diana was there were three of us in the marriage there was her her husband and the person that her husband was having an affair with think about it. If you were triangulated, if you were gaslit, if you were belittled, if you were devalued, these are all bringing up different emotions. They have all different elements and all of those elements are lodged in different places within the body. So when you are healing and looking at this, the best place to be is actually in your body out of your mind your mind is where the parasite is wandering around your mind has had an earworm inserted in and the the words of that earworm taking over this is why when you can get to that point you can start bashing the statements you can start questioning everything that you've been told and you can start to challenge but you have to be at a certain point to be doing that because if you don't believe that you're right when you question it you're going to come up with the evidence and this is what our brains do this is why it's safer in our body our brains go off they find that reference point they go through that huge filing cabinet and although it that information in that filing cabinet might have been infiltrated with a virus a virus that has gone through with your ex-partner has changed certain codes they've changed certain words you so everything you go and find it might not be true but you're finding information that supports the statement that they've made about you so stay in your body ground and breathe and then when you're ready 
and you're starting to heal on a certain level, you can have these honest conversations. But by being grounded and being in your body and breathing and calming your nervous system down, you're not jumping at everything. You can start to question. And one of the most powerful things you can do is write your story out. You can write out what happened. Then you've got a reference point because what will happen is you'll sit there and I did this many a time and I sat on the sofa I go into rumination this was all my fault and then if I could write out certain situations and recall them back and then had a notebook and I go back in and read some stuff I go oh my god yeah no that that wasn't healthy behavior to the point where one day I was able to say if our whole relationship was a lie why am I believing this one thing which is my bipolar story which I'm sure if you've been listening to me for a while, that you might, you've probably heard that one. I held that belief for six years until I, I thought, oh my gosh, our relationship was a lie. The majority of our relationship was a lie. And yet I'm holding on to this belief. And at that point, you get to change everything. I'm hoping it won't take you six years. Trauma is exhausting. Be gentle with yourself. Get a self-care package. I'll put a link to my essential criteria for creating the perfect healing plan in below because there are so many different things and it's something you can keep going back to and tweaking and changing address everything start a new month i think we're at the fourth today start a new month with creating a plan for the month and you might go do you know what everything works really like the way i my life is and i'm unfolding everything the journaling or the meditation or the baths or whatever it is the showers are helping me I don't need to change anything. And then in two or three months time, you go, do you know what? Maybe I need to bring something else in. Healing isn't linear from these relationships and it probably goes far deeper than you think. And I hope one day you will see the gift that you've been given because the healing does go much deeper and you can change your life. And it's absolutely amazing. I hope this has been helpful and I'm sending you loads and loads of love until next time.